0: Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. I'm reading from the New International Version. Let me say like a Baptist pastor. The epistle of Paul to the church in Rome. Chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. Hallelujah. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call... On the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. May the Lord bless His word. In Jesus' name, you may take your seats. Amen. God bless you. You're catching the vision. I want to talk to you this morning on what I captioned, Understanding the 2 Dimension of Missions. Understanding the Two-Fold Dimension of Missions. Since this week, we are focusing on missions. For those of you who are listening to the Bible studies on Wednesday, we're teaching and talking about missions. Because missions is the central theme of the church. The church exists for missions. So, any church that is not mission oriented is a church that has lost its purpose. That is why we take time to emphasize the need for missions. And because we are talking about missions, I want to tell you a story about a missionary who went to a country. And you know how Americans, when they go to somewhere, they prepare for everything, they take Uh, Mosquito repellents. They take all kinds of things to make sure they were safe. They are safe. So this missionary actually packed all the food he was going to eat for all his stay in that country, and everything was canned food. Everything was in can. And so when he arrived, this nation, the villagers observed that the missionary was not eating anything they were eating, and everything he ate was in can. And so after a certain period of time. When the missionary's family actually came and joined him, the family, the villagers boycotted the missionary and the chief gave an order that anyone who was found close or near that missionary was going to be excommunicated from that village. And the missionary was so surprised and frustrated. Why? These people who were so friendly in the beginning out of a sudden have changed to become his enemies. And so the missionary summoned his courage and went to the chief's palace to ask the chief what exactly happened that you guys have all turned against me. And this is what the chief said to the missionary. He said, When you came to this village, you refused to eat our food. We didn't force you because we said you are an American, you are not used to it. We noticed that anytime you open a container, a can, if there was tomato on the can, we saw you eating tomatoes from that can. Anytime you open a can, we saw fish and we saw fish on that can. Anytime you open a can, we saw fruit on the can and there were fruit inside the can. But when your children came, we saw you giving them something that looks like powder that was grind, And on the can, we saw babies. So meaning that you grind babies and put inside a can and feeding your children. That is why we said that if you are a cannibal as you are. Nobody in this village should associate with you. Because according to the villagers, whatever was on the can was, was inside that can. So for, for baby food like formula, because they had babies on the can, they said, no, this man is eating babies. The missionary tried by every possible means to convince the villagers. Villagers said, don't think we are stupid. We are not that stupid. Leave our village. He had to pack and leave because he was not able to convince the villagers of the truth. My goal this morning is that in sharing this message, I will convince you with the truth that will change your life. Amen. 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 Don't look at the can. Look at what is inside the can. Hallelujah. Don't be stubborn like these villagers who refuse to accept the truth and thought the missionary was actually eating people. As we go back into the text this morning, this text is one of the most beautiful texts in the Bible because... Apostle Paul actually focuses on the the essentials of why the church exists. Like I said, the church exists for missions. Uh, One uh, uh, anthropologist said, if the church is not about missions, then the church is about nothing. If the church is not about missions, then the church is about nothing. Now, we have a lot going on today in the church. There are conferences going on. There are concerts going on. There are all kinds of events taking place in the church, but few of those events are focused on soul winning. The church has completely lost the reason why it was established by the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 13 of the text we read, it said, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, the very first time I read this scripture, it seemed to mean that anytime you say Jesus, you know, salvation is going to happen. But what the author is actually saying is that those who put their faith in the name of Jesus will be saved. Amen. It is not saying that anyone who shouts Jesus will be saved. You know, it is interesting how people call Jesus when they are in trouble. But when things are fine, Jesus doesn't mean anything to them. One time I was in a bus traveling in Cameroon, and then the driver was overtaking a trailer. I'm sure he anticipated that he was going to overtake the trailer before any oncoming vehicle would show up. As he got into the road, there was a vehicle coming with speed. And then the people saw the vehicle coming. And some people that were smoking, cursing, a few minutes ago, they were all, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everybody resorted to shouting Jesus. Even though a few minutes ago, that name meant nothing to them. And so people think that by just shouting the name of Jesus, they are going to be saved. But it is talking about those who put their faith in the name of Jesus. It is not the sound of the name that makes it powerful. It is their faith in the name that makes it powerful. One of my former leads is a Spanish guy he's called Jesus. In English, it is Jesus. So if his name is powerful, every time we call his name, something should be happening in our job. But there is no power in his name because he can't save. It is faith in the name of Jesus that saves. And some Christians also think that they can pray anything and just come the name of Jesus at the end and it will be a prayer. Jesus said you pray and you don't receive because you ask amiss. In other words, you pray wrong prayers. You pray prayers that are targeted at things that are contrary to the will of God. So if we are going to receive from God... We have to have faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith in that name brings results. Then he goes further to say, how can they call on the one they have never heard? How can they call on the one they have never believed in? So what does that mean? Belief has to come before the calling. Belief has to come before the calling. Calling Jesus, Jesus, Jesus 100 times without believing amounts to nothing. I remember a comedy story i heard about a muslim guy that was in the car with a bunch of christians and they were traveling and suddenly the car was about to have an accident and all the christians started shouting jesus jesus and the muslim guy also joined him to shout jesus and so one of the christians was so provoked and like why were you calling jesus instead of calling muhammad and the muslim guy said everybody is calling the driver's name why should i not call the driver's name because according to him the driver was jesus He didn't even know who was Jesus. So there are people who have not believed in Jesus. And when they call his name, it means nothing. That is why sometimes, even though the name of Jesus is powerful, people call that name and they don't see any reaction. Because it's not just about calling the name, it's about believing in the name. It's the relationship you have with the person that has the name that makes it powerful. Is somebody hearing me this morning. For example, if If somebody shouts my name on the street and say, Clement, somewhere that I'm not familiar with, I'm not going to pay attention. But if somebody shouts my name in my house, I know that this person shouting my name is my relative because the person lives within my jurisdiction. So just shouting Jesus without having a relationship with him amounts to nothing. So I encourage you this morning to believe in the name of Jesus. Have faith in the name of Jesus. And when you call that name, Things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it goes further to say that how can they believe in the one whom they have never heard? Do you know there are people in the United States to your shock who have never heard about Jesus? It may be shocking, but this is the statistics. There are people in this country who are completely isolated in the suburbs who have never heard about Jesus. One preacher said a missionary was actually talking to a Chinese guy. In China, and he asked a Chinese guy, have you, heard, have you heard about Jesus? And a Chinese guy responded to the missionary by saying, is that a new electronic in the market? He had no idea who Jesus was. Statistics say that out of the 7 billion people that live in the world, 2 billion have never heard the name of Jesus. Not to talk about the gospel. They have never heard anything or anyone called Jesus. How can they believe? In the one whom they have not heard we have to be responsible to take the name of jesus to the places where he has never been heard hallelujah Amen. and he says that and how can they hear without someone preaching to them the reason why these people have not believed is not because they cannot believe it's because they are no preachers we have a lot of fashion design modeling christians but we have few preaching christians we have Christians who dress good on Sunday, they look good, they carry their Bibles, but after Sunday, their mouths are closed. They don't tell anybody about anything that concerns their God. How will it be like if you discover the cure to cancer and you decided to keep that cure to yourself and not share with other cancer patients? How will it be described in human terms? Wicked, selfish. I don't know the term. It used to describe you. But many Christians have found their cure to eternal death, which is worse than cancer, but they keep it to themselves. They don't share with their colleagues. They don't share with their friends. Some even hide it from their family members. You are going to sit with these people during this Thanksgiving, and your mouth is going to be closed. You don't say nothing about Jesus. You share food with them. You exchange drinks with them. You give them money, but not the name of Jesus. How can they believe if they are not preachers, the reason why our neighbors are not still safe is not because they are bad people, it's because your mouth is closed. It's because you've refused to take the gospel to them. We need to become more intentional about preaching the good news. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to become more intentional about preaching the good news. You say, How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Now, you have to understand that for anyone to venture into those areas, especially, there is an area in, in the middle east that is called the 1040 window. It discovers as a 1040 window because it is, according to what they say, it's 10 degrees north of the equator, I think i 40 degrees uh, west of the equator, so it's called 10 degrees, I mean 1040 window. It is said that out of all the people in the world who have never heard the gospel, live in that 1040 window, in those gospel-resisted nations, where they don't want to have anything to do with the gospel. But it is sad because most missionaries who live this country don't go to those areas. They go to places where the gospel is already established. They go add money to where the gospel is not even, I mean, missionaries are not even needed. You go to a town, you find like six missionaries in one town. But there is a nearby country with no missionary. Because most of these missionaries are on vacation. They are not on mission. They leave America and the church will send them a lot of money. And they drive Prados and BMW cars abroad. And they say they're on missions. We have to understand that if we have to take the gospel to those areas, we have to become more intentional about those that are sent. Hallelujah. One, uh, one missionary said, why would somebody hear the gospel twice when some people have not even heard it once? D- do you understand what that means? Why will some people hear it over and over when some people have never heard it? So we have missionaries who collect money from churches and they buy private jets. Like somebody said, they will raise maybe $1 billion, for example. They buy a private jet and then they buy a few bags of rice and fly to Africa, share those bags of rice and put it on TV, and take pictures of children that are looking hungry, and put it on TV and say, support missions. If These missionaries were really going to Africa as we see on TV. Africa will not be what it is today. But most of those people, are like I said, they're on vacation. They're not on mission. They go to places where the gospel has already been established. So if anyone is sent to those areas, we as Christians need to go after those people and support them and pray for them. Hallelujah. It takes courage to go to these areas where the gospel is resisted. And then lastly, he said that, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. It's not talking about your physical feet. Because some of us have really ugly feet. I'm sorry to say Many of us don't like houses where they tell you remove your shoes because of what is going underneath that leather. Your pedicure is horrible, so when they say take off your shoes, I was just passing. I will I will stop by next time because maybe your socks are even torn, and you're afraid if you take off your shoes they are going to discover (laughs) what is covered under that shoe. So you say, well I was just passing. I'm trying to go to Costco. I will see you next time. But the real issue is because there is something under your feet that you don't want to reveal. But the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Anytime you set out to preach, to the world you look stupid. But in heaven, you look like a young girl walking down the aisle about to get married. Your feet are beautiful. You're walking on the streets of gold anytime you take that step to preach the gospel. is somebody hearing me this morning. Your feet are beautified by heaven. Whenever you step out to preach the gospel. Now, ask the neighbor, neighbor, what kind of feet do you have? What kind of feet do you have? (laughs) What kind of feet do you have? (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me just say this. If you have never been preaching the gospel, your feet are ugly. But if you've been the one who was going out, you have beautiful feet. Amen. 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 Ask the neighbor again, neighbor, do you have ugly feet? Ask the neighbor, do you have ugly feet? (laughs) Do you have ugly feet? (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. As we go into the heart of this mission this morning, everyone who wants to be part of missions must fall under two categories. Like I said, the two dimensions of missions. Number one, the preachers. It says, How can they hear except somebody preaches to them? The first category in missions are those who take the gospel to the unsaved, those who take upon themselves the responsibility of preaching the good news to people. There are a lot of unbelievers around us who have never heard the good news, like I said, because we are not taking the gospel to them. I told you about a poem that a missionary wrote, and this poem was written by a friend who died. I was writing this letter to the friend, his be- her best friend, who was alive. And she said in the poem, we were best of friends. We had everything together. We went everywhere together. We exchanged clothes. We celebrated Thanksgiving together. I was here on Valentine's Day, on Christmas, on New Year, everything we did, we did together. We shared everything. It is after I died, that I realized that you were the most wicked person I could ever have known in my life. He said, because you knew that there was something like eternal death. And you never told me about it. I saw you going to church every Sunday. Not one day did you invite me to go with you to the house of God. I saw you going out with your family, uh, church family. Not one day did you invite me to follow you. And now I'm in hell fire. And they tell me that in this place, this torment will never end. If only you were a good friend, you should have warned me about this place. But now I realize how wicked you've been to me. As I showed with you this morning, are you a good friend? Are there some people around your life that you've never told them about Jesus? Some of you even hide your Bible, so you're coming to church. Why I want you, I want to just reach down there because you're afraid to tell your friends that you're going to church. Or sometimes during a conversation on Friday, they say, What will you be doing this weekend? You say, I'll just be chilling with my family. You don't want to mention that you go to church. Because according to you, it's a disgrace. But the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. We have to become more intentional about sharing the faith that we receive from Jesus.
1: There are many ways you
0: can bring somebody to Christ. There are those who cannot preach. But just holding the hand of somebody to church can be the gateway to their salvation. Just inviting that person to a church event can be the door to their salvation. There are some people who have won multitude to the law without preaching, but just by connecting them to places where they can hear the gospel. Since we started fellowshipping in this place, have you invited one person with you to the house of God? Or you're just greedy to enjoy everything that the Lord has given to you for yourself? We have to become more intentional about the gospel. Now, let me give you this statistic, which is shocking. 92 95 percent of all Christians have never won a soul to Jesus. Let me ask you as you're saying, have you ever led anybody to Christ since you believe? If at all you believe. Have you led anybody to Christ? And said, Let me pray for you to give your life to Jesus. If you have never, you need to go home this morning and cry to the Lord because you've been wasting the salvation God gave to you. God saved you so you can save others. That is the reason why He saved you. And he allowed you on the surface of the earth, because if the Lord had nothing for you to do after you got saved, He would have transported you to heaven. The reason why He allowed you to be at that job, to be in that neighborhood, is because there is an assignment that He has for you. Is someone hearing me this morning? Ninety-five percent of Christians worldwide have never won a soul to Jesus. Eighty-five percent of Christians do not consistently take part in evangelism. 85%. Less than 2% are involved in in the ministry of evangelism. And then 71% do not give toward the financing of the Great Commission. I'm going to give you more statistics. That is shocking. Somebody said that, why should we talk about Jesus is coming soon? Coming soon. When there are people who have never heard about his first coming. If Jesus is going to come again the second time, the Bible says everybody needs to hear about his first coming before his second coming. Bible says this gospel shall be preached to all the ends of the world, then shall the end come. So until everybody hears about the first coming, there is no second coming. So we have to take responsibility in preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. So everyone in this house must become a preacher. Listen, to preach, you don't have to go to the Bible school like me. Just sharing your testimony. Something that the Lord has done for you can be a means to somebody's salvation. Just testify the good things that God has done for you. And then you connect that person to somebody who can pray for them or tell them more. Once you start to bring them close and they get interested, you connect them to somewhere where they can start hearing the things of God. Before you know it, they join you. There are many who have become believers by just watching TV, by joining a conference line, by attending a small Bible study group, and by that they connect themselves and they got saved. We have to become intentional about preaching the good news. Number two, if you are not a preacher, then you have to be a sender. Hallelujah. I admit there are people who cannot preach, but if you cannot preach, you can send those who are ready to preach. It says, how can they have a preacher except they are sent? So it's either you are preaching or you are sending. There is no middle ground. It's either you are taking part in the preaching or you are responsible for sending those who are going to preach. Those who take the gospel to those places where salvation is needed. Most preachers, like I said, in this country have to walk because they don't have enough income to support themselves to focus on the gospel. It is even sad to think that many people believe and think that pastors like me who work are trustworthy because they won't ask money from the Christians. God gave money to Christians so they can sponsor the gospel. But our minds are so corrupt now to think that a pastor who who works and does not depend fully on the church is more reliable because he won't ask us for our money. That is how stingy we have become with our resources. If we are senders, we'll be happy to send for those people that have dedicated themselves to preach the gospel. But because our minds are corrupt, we say, oh, that pastor is good, he works. He's a networking, so he won't ask a lot of money. But that is a twisted mentality. Men who are called for the gospel should focus on the gospel. And the reason why pastors have to work. And some of them do two justice because those who are supposed to be sending preachers are not doing what they are called to do. It's either you are sending or you are preaching. If you cannot preach, send those who are ready to preach. Now, let me give you another shocking statistics: the annual income of the church in America, of all churches in America combined, is thirty point five trillion. I didn't a billion. Trillion. You know what is trillion? Mm. If, they, if, they, if they put that number in the calculator, your calculator will go off. Trillion. 30.5 trillion. Now listen. The amount that is given to all Christian causes, like supporting concerts or whatever, is 545 billion, which is 1.8% of the income That is also how much Americans spend on Christmas every year. 545 billion is what Americans spend on buying Christmas trees, Santa Claus, and decorating their houses. That is how much they spend every year. Now, money that is given to missions, to those who actually go out of this country to preach the gospel, 31 billion, which is 0.1% of the income of the church. Now that tells you how the church has completely lost their focus. If the church can only give 0.1% of all their income to missions, which is the center of God's will, what else is the church focused on? We are focused on concerts, barbecues, and all these things that Christians gather to eat and have fun without thinking about eternity. You see, that is only 5.7% of the money given to Christians of all kind. That is also how much Americans spend on dieting programs. So, weight loss programs, you know, slim tea. Americans spend more than 31 billion a year to try to slim down. But they give less than that to missions. Can I go forward? I hear some people breathing like, this is your money. It's your money I'm talking about. (laughs) Money that goes towards the people who have never heard the gospel, like I said. 310 million, which is 1% of what is given to missions worldwide. So Americans, they give give, uh, $31 to missions generally. Like I said, they take money and send to Nigeria. There are are more than 5,000 pastors already in Nigeria. you see how missionaries go to Nigeria? But those places like Iraq, Iraq, where nobody is going, nobody ventures to go there. They go to where they will sleep in luxury hotels. I heard a preacher who goes to preach and he sleeps in a hotel that is $25,000 a night sent by the church in America to go preach. And there is another village where there is no church and a Christian fellowship under a tree. God is going to judge this country for how they waste the resources he gave them. Let me go forward. Of the 30.5 trillion of the income that Christians have, it means that for every one hundred thousand that a Christians make, one dollar is given to missions. For every one hundred thousand that Christians make, one dollar is given to missions. Americans spend 310 million. Every year on Halloween, but not giving to the work of God. This time that is coming, some of you are going to eat and throw leftovers, buy food that you cannot consume. But if I said give 10 dollars, let's send to a missionary in India, I'll pray about it. You think about it. We have to become more intentional about sending those who are taking the gospel to the nations. Is someone hearing me this morning? If you're not challenged this morning, I don't know what kind of Christians you are. But as for me, when I read this, I'm challenged to my call because two percent of I mean what what am I saying two percent more than thirty percent of people in the world live below one dollar a day. Can you imagine that? Let me let me explain this to you. When I was young. I used to come for holidays, and I would go hustle in a company called CDC, which is Cameroon Development Corporation. They would have like holiday jobs, what we, we try to do to raise money. I would go for eight hours. Do you know how much I got paid a day? It was 800, which is less than $2. And there were people who made that as a regular salary and have families and children. And then we have people in America who make $100 an hour, maybe more. And if you ask them to give $10 of that 100 to somebody poor somewhere, the Holy Spirit has to speak to them in a dream, in the night. And say, my son. My son. Because it's not in our hearts to think that the reason why God has given us all that we have is so we can do it. We can send it so that those who are preaching the gospel in remote areas can actually do His will. This morning, like I said, you have to choose. Are you a preacher or you are a sender? Hallelujah. Amen. Missions is inevitable. You cannot be a Christian and not be part of missions. If you're not thinking about soul winning, I advise you to become a Muslim. If you're not thinking about soul in this kingdom, you join the wrong religion. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 verse 9, he said, follow me and I will make you work fishers of men. So the goal of following Jesus is to become a fisher of men. So if you have been following Jesus for all these years and you have not become a fisher of men, I don't know what you become. Because the goal of following Jesus is to become a fisher of men. In John chapter 20 verse 21, it says, In the same way my Father sent me, so I am sending you. In the same capacity, the same mission, the same anointing, the same mandate, the same power, I am sending you. And again in his last words, like he said, the last words of a man is what is most important. Before he resurrected to heaven, he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 19, he says go ye into the world. Matthew chapter 28, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. That was what he said. And then he said to the beginning, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he said, you shall receive power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. What does that mean? The reason why God gave us the Holy Spirit was not to stay in church and have fun and speak in tongues. Was so we could be endowed and empowered to tell the gospel to the nations. So if you are speaking in tongues and not winning souls, you better keep quiet because your tongues is useless. God gave us the anointing, the spirit of God, so we can be empowered to take the gospel to the nations. It is time, brothers and sisters, to think about missions. Think about the thousands that are going to hell. One preacher gave this, a preacher who died. He actually went to heaven and the Lord said to him, i am giving you a second chance, go back. And he said, when he stood there, he saw the path to heaven. It was like I-495, for example. And people were abducted on that road. Meaning you saw one person like in Manasseh and the next person was like in Seneville. Few people on the road. But the road going down to heaven was like Times Square in New York. I mean, going down to hell, It was busy with people going down. That is how busy it is because those who are saved on earth have closed their mouths. And many people are going down to hell. It is time to rise and start preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. I say it's time to rise and start preaching the gospel. Amen. If you're not preaching, you should be sending. One old mama came to a man of God and said, Man of God, I like the way you preach. He said in in Pigeon. But I don't, I don't have the power. But how much will it take for me to help you? And Pastor looking at this woman like you're too old, Mama. Just forget Mama said, Look, I had a lot of money when I was young. It's in the bank. My son, if I die, this money will go to waste. I want to send it to your account so you can preach the gospel. She understood that even though I don't have the strength to go, my money can go. My resources can go. Hallelujah. Amen. Think about missions, think about the loss. It's sad that many of us attend funerals of our brothers and sisters who have never heard the gospel. And we're going to say, oh, brother, rest in peace. You know the man is going to hell. And so, oh, brother, rest in peace. Oh, auntie, auntie, rest in peace. You know that this, your auntie, is now burning in fire. Because we know. not But we console ourselves, oh, she's going to a better place. Which better place? A man who dies without Jesus, whether it's your father or mother, is going to hell. It doesn't matter what you write on their casket, on their biography, they are going to hell. The only way to stop them from going there is to start preaching about Jesus. To give them the vaccine to eternal death, which is the name of Jesus. How can they believe in the one they have not heard? Brothers and sisters, I came this morning to call your attention. There is a need. There is a mass of people out there dying because no one is telling them about Jesus. Jesus. Be intentional this week. Start talking to your friends about Jesus. Like I said, you don't have to go to your job and sound all well. Hey, hey, guys, I want to tell you about Jesus. You may be fired, but sometimes somebody can open up to you about their marriage, about some things they are struggling, and you use that opportunity to bring in Jesus, or you share a testimony how Jesus transformed your life or what he did for somebody. Before you know it, they start developing interest, and then they follow you to church. Before you know it. They are saved. But some of you say, oh, you need, you need to watch Dr. Phil or Steve Harvey. He will help you. You completely forgot that there was anything like Jesus. You even give advice that contrary to the Bible. It is time to rise and start speaking the word of God. Amen. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, when Joshua was about to enter the promised land, And Moses was giving him the last instruction. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, not from your heart. So the Bible should be on your mouth, not in your heart. Your friends should hear you. Your relatives should hear you. Your neighbors should hear you. Let the people hear you speak the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are either a sender or you are a preacher. Can we stand on our feet this morning? I don't know what class you belong to. Because some people are a You are not a sender, You are not a preacher. But we're going to pray some prayers this morning. And I want you to be serious about this prayer. Because as we pray. God is going to honor that prayer. In the name of Jesus.